before I get into our lesson for this morning, um, I do want to uh, go ahead and kind of highlight one of the announcements that's, in, that's been in the bulletin for uh, a little while now. Uh, we are, of course, uh, our youth ministry is making our way to Lynchburg, Virginia uh, for this year's uh, youth campaign. And, of course, this is something that we do every year. And uh, we, we have the opportunity to get to work uh, with all these different churches and all these different locations. And, uh, of course, we, we get to know the congregation there, but we also have the opportunity to, to go out and, and knock doors in that community. To be able to go to, to that city, to that location, and go to uh, the neighborhoods around that church and be able to, to try and invite these people uh, to be a part of the church, to be a part of and join us for, uh, whether it be a gospel meeting or for VBS or, or whatever they're having uh, at the host congregation. Uh, but it is an awesome outreach opportunity that, that we get to have, that the teens get to have. Um, and of course, this year, like I said, we're, we're headed to Lynchburg, Virginia. We're actually working with uh, the Seven Hills Church of Christ there. And uh, we're incredibly excited about this. Um, we're taking a, a fairly large group. And just like we normally do, um, we rely heavily on the contributions of our members. Um, of course, we have uh, all those that attend, uh, all the teams that attend, and all the, the, the parents that help and all that. Um, we, of course, uh, do pay for, for some of our travel and some of our um, activities that we do there. Um, but we do need help raising money for the evangelistic portion of our trip. Um, it, it does get a little bit costly, and every year... Um, you guys have been absolutely awesome in, in raising, usually above and beyond what we need. Um, we are uh, still needing a, a significant amount um, at this moment, and uh, we're, we're coming up pretty fast. I believe uh, we actually leave in about 19 days. So, so the time is, is here, and uh, anything that, that you're able to, to help with would be greatly appreciated. Um, and even if not, uh, we would absolutely love to have your prayers, uh, and we ask that you please continue to, uh, to be praying for this effort as we prepare to make our way to Lynchburg. Um, we're very excited about it, and uh, if you do have any questions about it, feel free to ask me or even one of our teens um, about the details of this trip. Um, again, we're very excited about it, and we thank you in advance for, for any help that you have been uh, in this process for us to be able to get to go and do this. While I was uh, preparing for uh, our graduation reception, and I guess I should also go ahead and make a plug for that as well while I'm up here, um, we of course do have our graduation reception tonight. Um, that's going to be after our, our PM service. Please come and join us. Um, if you are coming, please also bring some finger foods with you. Um, and we will, of course, uh, celebrate our, our graduating seniors for this year, but also all those that are graduating or have graduated uh, this school year. Uh, but while I was preparing for our graduation reception, uh, I ended up doing something uh, that I don't typically do. I was kind of looking through my hard drive, 
um, kind of working on, you know, uh, some presenta- uh, the presentation that we'll be doing. And, uh, and I ended up coming across uh, one of my old high school folders that I had on my hard drive. And so I decided to look into that and see, you know, how, how much stuff do, do I have in here? And so I opened it up and I started kind of looking through this old folder that I had of old computer files um, that, that apparently I had done back in 2008, 2009, um, around that time. And uh, I found a handful of different English papers that I had written. Uh, and it's weird going back and reading how... Um, the way that I wrote stuff at that, at that point in time. Um, I found a, a yearbook cover design that I had helped make um, at my high school. I found a bunch of old projects and some old reports. Uh, some of the most uh, notable things that I found that I was actually really glad that I found uh, was the speech that I gave to my senior class uh, at my graduation. And uh, it was really kind of strange to look through that and again kind of see uh, how basic my writing was at the time and, um, and the way that I said things. I even looked at one thing that I said and I said, I can't believe that I said that like, to people out loud, but I did. And, uh, and so I saw that and I noticed that. Um, and then I also saw that I had written a letter to my college roommate just explaining everything about who I was. Um, I never gave my college roommate that letter, but I think it was an assignment that we were given where we had to just kind of, you know, what are you going to tell your roommate? Um, you know, how are you going to describe who you are kind of in a page and let them know a really good idea of who you are? And so getting to go back, I was able to see exactly how I defined myself and who I thought I was uh, about that time when I graduated high school. And, uh, of course, as I'm going through all these different files and looking at all of this, I'm reminded so much of, of my past. Um, and, and, of course, every time that I get up here, um, I tell you a little bit about my past as well. I typically have some kind of story. Um, I have another little bit of information that I'll get into later. But, uh, but of course, uh, when I looked through this, so much of my past kind of came back to me, and I really kind of thought through... Uh, a lot of different things about that. It was really an opportunity for me to get to see where I was at that time versus where I am now. And of course, I don't mean location-wise. You know, then I was in Mobile, now I'm in Jasper. I don't mean like that. I mean, I was able to see the kind of person that I was when I graduated high school uh, and compare that to the person that I am now. And of course... I'm talking about how, uh, how I am spiritually. Of course, other things too, how I am physically, how I am emotionally, um, intellectually, all those different ways, but also where I am in comparison spiritually. See, it's so easy for us to, uh, to be able to preoccupy our minds today. I think it's probably easier than it ever has been to be able to really just uh, really just drown out everything else and just be entertained. Um, and uh, I think when we do that at times, we fail to analyze our past and our present. Uh, it, it's really easy for us to, to simply focus on these things that entertain us and not really uh, get too deep in these things. Uh, to really look at and analyze where we are and who we are, and even compare that to where we were and who we were. 
we can often fail to focus on where we're going, on the direction that our life is headed. And so we stay just on the surface of our life. Uh, if, we, if we stay really busy and we have so many different things going on and we have so many things to, uh, to look at and to do and to participate in and we just keep ourselves going, then we basically eliminate this, uh, this time that we have to really be able to, to dig deep into our lives, not just in our present but also in our past. Uh, we spend our time making our present look complete and look like it's without flaw. Um, it's really easy for us to do that on social media, of course, uh, to really paint this picture that, that everything is just awesome. Everything is exactly how it needs to be, how we want it to be, and everything is great, and, and we are just our best selves at, at all times. When we do that, sometimes underneath all of that, we might end up being unhappy, and we might end up missing out on something. If you will turn to Matthew chapter 7, Matthew chapter 7, we'll go ahead and tell you all of our verses that we'll look at will be up on the screen, uh, but if you'd like to, go ahead and turn there with me. And here we see uh, the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, I love getting to pull different passages from the Sermon on the Mount and get to really kind of focus on those things. Uh, and this one in particular is actually um, at the end of this message uh, that Jesus is giving. This is, this is at the end of what is recorded for us um, right, right before uh, you know, the narrative of everything and Matthew kind of continues to, uh, to flow after that. And so we're focusing on this very last passage and we see that this is all about our foundation. Um, and we see that and of course, we're going to read that in just a second. But in this, and when we see this idea of this foundation, we see that there are two different, uh, two different options that we have here in terms of our foundation. It can, it can be done, it can be built in one of, of two ways. But now, of course, already, even before we read this, we understand that building our lives on the foundation of Jesus is essential. We really don't even have to look into this passage to, to understand that and say, yes, oh, I absolutely agree with that statement. Building our lives on the foundation of Jesus, it is absolutely essential. But I want to look at this passage real quick and, uh, and kind of focus on that for just a second. Matthew chapter 7, beginning in verse 24. Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall, because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell, and great was the fall of it." I think that this is such an easy illustration for us to see. Um, it's very easy for us to visualize this illustration. And it's very easy for us to follow it. And, and I think that's even something that we can understand. Um, you know, even, as, even when we're kids, we have a song about it, uh, about the wise man building his house on the rock. And, and, and it was, it's very easy to understand, well, the outcome of the one that builds their house on the rock is good. And the one that builds it on the sand 
it's it's bad. And it's so easy for, for us to, to get this illustration, to understand exactly what's being told to us. And so that's what we do. We, we choose to build our house on the rock. But over time, things in our life might change. It might be a very slow process, but sometimes that foundation might change for us a little bit. You see, when we no longer put Him first, uh, when we slowly allow our lives to shift just a little bit at a time to where we basically put God, we put our Christian life uh, in second place, we put it on the back burner, and we no longer live for Him, then we can't assume that that foundation is still intact. We can't assume that that foundation is still just as solid as it was before when we really aren't even paying that much attention to it. I want you to do something real quick. I want you to to look back and really focus on a particular time in your past. Now, when that is, I don't know. That's going to be up to you. Whether it be one year or maybe five years or 10 or 20 or 50 years, you know, Whatever it might be, I want you to, to kind of look back. You can even pick multiple times, you know, that, that's fine. But I want you to really focus on that time. And I want you to think about the foundation of your life at that moment in time. And I hope when you think about that foundation, I hope that you can look at that foundation that you had then... Uh, Maybe it's a time when it was particularly strong. Uh, Maybe the time when that foundation was truly built. Uh, Maybe it was the time that that you uh, decided to be a part of the church, the time that you were baptized. Maybe it's another time when uh, when you really uh, stuck to your commitments to your God. And maybe right now you can look back at that time and you can say, that foundation that I built then is just as strong right now. And I hope that that is the case for you. But um, chances are we might be facing one of two outcomes when we look back. Now this foundation that I'm talking about, of course, is the Word of Christ. is the words of Jesus that we see, not just in the Sermon on the Mount, but in the Gospels, the word that is delivered to us in the Bible. And not just looking at this word, but being one who does as Jesus did. That, of course, is this foundation. Jesus is this foundation. And when we look back, we might end up seeing one of these Two outcomes. It is possible that, um, you know, as our life is playing out before us from, from years ago, the person that we are today might realize this idea. Uh, maybe as we look back from the future, we see a person that we are glad we no longer resemble. Maybe we are looking back to five years ago, to ten years ago, and we see this person who was ignorantly living with the wrong foundation. 
Maybe we see a person who was living completely opposite from how you are living right now. Maybe a a person that, uh, it was a person that was putting themselves first. A person that was uh, incredibly materialistic and was so focused and, and really even put their foundation on physical, material items. Someone maybe that was living completely in sin. And so maybe we look back and we are glad that we are a person Uh, We see someone that we are glad we no longer resemble, that we no longer really look anything like, with a foundation that looks entirely different and looks much stronger today. But maybe, if not this outcome, maybe we see a different outcome. It's possible that as we look back, we realize that our foundation is no longer on the rock. We look back and we see a foundation that is not solid. We see a foundation, uh, of course, as we look back, we see a strong foundation or, or we see something that at least resembles this solid foundation that we want. And we see what we had and how close we stuck to our God. But then we look below us today And beneath our feet, we see a foundation that is falling apart. We see something that is not solid. Maybe we even see something as something like sand, something that can hold absolutely nothing together. If you will, turn to Philippians chapter 3. Philippians chapter 3. There's a few different passages that we're going to look at. And, uh, of course, all of these come from uh, letters written from Paul to, uh, to various people or places. And in Philippians chapter 3, of course, uh, in this letter, this is to the church in Philippi. And we see that Paul shows us an instance of, of both of these outcomes. We see Paul kind of almost explain uh, two different scenarios of, of what it would be like to, uh, to have a foundation on the rock and then what it would be like to have a foundation on the sand. And so we see this first idea here in Philippians chapter 3, verses 12 through 16. Not that I have already obtained this or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead. I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Let those of us who are mature think this way. And if in anything you, are, you think otherwise, God will reveal that to you also. Only let us hold true to what we have attained. You see, Paul encourages us to forget the sins that lie behind. And honestly, Paul is one of the best people to be able to tell us that, considering the life that he lived previously. But he tells us to forget the things that lie behind and to focus on what is ahead. 
You see, Paul understood that tomorrow is not dependent on yesterday. And he encourages us to, to be sure to check our foundation. To be sure to look at what we have planted everything on and to make sure that it is in Christ. Of course, we keep reading and we kind of see uh, the, uh, the other side of this. He says, Brothers, join in imitating me and keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. For many of whom I have often told you and now tell you even with tears, walk as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their end is destruction. Their God is their belly and they glory in their shame with minds set on earthly things. But our citizenship is in heaven. And from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like His glorious body by the power that enables Him even to subject all things to Himself. Within this passage we see a description of those with no solid foundation. Paul defines these people uh, as those who are walking as enemies. People with their minds set on earthly things. I think that this is the perfect personification of the foolish man. This man who built his house on sand. On no good foundation. And of course, we know how that ends for them. The wind and the rain and the floods come and their house falls. Their end is destruction. If you will, turn with me to 1 Timothy chapter 6. Of course, here Paul is writing to Timothy. And, uh, and at this time, Paul warns Timothy of those who actually may be built on sand. Um, but when he does this, he actually, uh, he doesn't describe it in this way. He's actually addressing a particular group. And the group that he is addressing are the rich. Uh, in 1 Timothy chapter 6, beginning with verse 17, um, this is what we see uh, Paul telling him. He says, As for the rich in this present age, charge them not to be haughty, uh, nor to set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches, but on God, who richly provides us with everything to enjoy. They are to do good, to be rich in good works, to be generous and ready to share, thus storing up treasures for themselves as a good foundation for the future, so that they may take hold of that which is truly life. It's easy for us to understand that, that these wealthy people, they were making their own personal wealth their foundation. And when we think of this first century wealth, I think it's really easy for us to, to just think of people that just had a, you know, a lot of money, uh, kind of this idea of the top you know, 0.01%, the very, very wealthy people. Um, usually when I think of uh, I'll be honest, when I think of the first century idea of, 
um, of what wealth is. I just think of someone with like a ton of gold bars. That's really what I think of. Um, but it's, that's not accurate. That's not really the way that we need to look at this idea of, of wealth, of riches. You see, these people are simply those with a lot of material things. Those people that have an excess of stuff. They have just a lot of junk uh, just lying around. They have more things than they really utilize uh, in their everyday lives. And as we think about a, a reshaping of this idea of these rich people, these wealthy people, don't we seem to fit in a, a lot more with this idea of who these rich people are? These people that, that simply have a lot of things. Um, anything that they possibly need in their life, it, it's, it's there. It's available to them. That's the rich. That's the wealthy. I think we fit into this quite a bit more than, than we realize but what Paul does here, Paul is not very negative in this passage. What Paul does is he actually encourages the wealthy to, instead of focusing on this wealth, instead of allowing these riches to be this foundation, he encourages them to instead be rich in works. To be able to do good works for the kingdom. And not only that, but to show generosity to be able to, to take the wealth that they have in their lives and to be able to distribute it out to those who truly need it. He encourages them to be rich in works and generosity. And of course, we see here the result, which is a foundation for the future. A foundation that is secure. See, their end is not destruction. If they are able of course, to follow what Paul encourages for them. In 10th and 11th grade, I, uh, I was a part of a history class, uh, but it was not just the regular history class. Um, if you're familiar with um, advanced placement classes, um, we called it APUS history or APUSH. Um, that was the terminology of this class that we took. Uh, and I took this class for, for two years, uh, all of my 10th grade year and all of my 11th grade year, and we focused on this one book and we just poured every ounce of our brains and our minds into this book because at the end of that time, uh, if you take an advanced pl placement class, at the end of that you can take this exam and if you do well enough then you get college credit for it. So I was all about that and I knew that that's what I wanted to do. And in fact, I don't know why, because this was 10 years ago, but I still have the book. Um, this is the actual book that we had to read and, and I'll just show you. I worked, I worked really hard in this class. Um, I went through, here's, here's just one page for example. I highlighted in every page of this, and yes, I know, I highlighted about half of the things on here. So what's the point in highlighting if you highlight almost everything? But, I, it, but really, if you look through, I, I spent so much time going through this history book, two years read all the way through this twice at least, took all of these different um, exams that we had in um, something called DBQs, which are, um, I think they're, 
I don't even remember what it stood for. Something, some kind of questions you had to answer and you had to use all these different facts to go with it. And you had to use sources that you brought just from your brain and it was crazy. And so we finally get through all these two years and I work as hard as I can and we take the exam and uh, you have to make uh, a three or a four or a five. It's, it's only one through, it's a one through five scale. You have to make a three, four or five. You can't make a one or a two. And so we get in and I, and I take this test and I do my best and I make a two. And so I don't get any credit for this class and, and that's okay. Um, I'm not mad about it, uh, even though it probably seems like I am. But I put a lot of time into this, this history book. I put a lot of time into, uh, into all of these different things. And, and I'll be honest, history was my most difficult subject and, uh, you know, I, I'm not really, a, I'm not a big history person. I'm not a huge fan of history. But I will tell you that I am glad that, that we decided to, to keep a record of history. I'm glad that people decided to start writing things down and, and have all of these ideas of things that took place in the past. Because now the world can learn from its mistakes. We are able to go back and look at the things that we've done in the previous years and say, you know what, we, we can learn from this. We can actually know that we're not going to do this and, and we can make changes or we can build off of that and we can gain knowledge from that. We as, as a people are able to build off of what was and to be able to progress based on the past, based on the things that have taken place previously. If you will turn to Colossians chapter 1. Paul is writing to the Colossians here and he, he does something interesting um, there is a particular passage where, if you really look, um, he, he's kind of speaking uh, to, uh, to this church uh, specifically about the past, the present, and the future. And he shows the church that we are able to learn from our past. In Colossians chapter 1, beginning in verse 21... He says, And you who once were alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds, he has now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death, in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him, if indeed you continue in the faith, stable and steadfast, not shifting from the hope of the gospel that you heard which has been proclaimed in all creation under heaven, and of which I, Paul, became a minister. If you look at these three verses, verses 21, 22, and 23, each one of these shows us a different part uh, of this kind of story that we see that he's sharing with us. In verse 21, he's saying, uh, you know, you did evil things. Uh, he's talking about their past here. He's pointing out the, the way that they had been living in the past. But then in verse 22, he now says, 
you are now reconciled and you can be holy and blameless. Paul is at this point telling them you can have this foundation. You had been set up, uh, built on sand. But you can completely change that and you can now be built on the rock. He's showing them here exactly what their present is able to be. And then in verse 23, we see him tell them that you must continue in faith. That's what it's going to take. That you continue in this faith and that is their future. And of course, no, he's not saying that, um, that you can simply build yourself onto this new foundation. You can do this and you can accept it and, and just occasionally acknowledge it and that'll be enough. That's not what he's saying here. Um, he's not saying that you can attain this just by showing up to church a few times a week. Your foundation will not be secured on that by itself. Your foundation will be solid by making your life an example of putting the gospel in action, of choosing to be exactly what Christ was to this world, by holding on to this foundation, by making sure that we imitate Christ. So as we wrap everything up for this morning, I have, as I usually do, I have a couple of questions for you. As we think back and we, and we look at these moments from our past, uh, maybe these moments that we focused on earlier, and as we're able to look at the person we are now in comparison to the person that we were, as we're looking back from the future, I want to ask you, is your foundation solid? As you look at the foundation that you have had at one point in your life, is your foundation as solid, if not more, than it was? Or has the opposite taken place? Has your foundation crumbled? Are you able to, to look down at the foundation that you have made and it is no longer on the rock? It is now crumbling away and less secure than it ever has been. I'm going to be honest with you. When I went through that folder on my hard drive, when I looked through and, and was reminded of who I have been, I was able to see both of these things. I was able to see times in my life where I could not have been built on a worse foundation. When I was honestly just completely built on sand. I was able to see times in my life where I put material things first. I put myself I put the things that I wanted in my life first. But also, in comparison to my life now, I can also see there are times when, when I've done even better 
And I know that I need to and I, I want to do everything that I can to have that foundation. That I need to do everything that I can to strengthen that. To be on the rock. To be founded on Christ Jesus. Maybe you're here this morning and you're looking at your foundation and you see that it is crumbling. You see that it is not the solid foundation that it was and that you know that repairs need to be made, that a change needs to be made, that that this foundation needs to be better. Maybe you're here and you haven't yet really planted that foundation and you know that you need to do what it takes to, to plant your life on Christ, that you need to be a part of His church, that you need to be baptized today. Whatever that might be, whether it be for prayers, for encouragement, or to renew that foundation, we ask you to come forward now as we stand and as